And we're back with another episode of Lauer After Hours. We're joined once again by our favorite son, Jeremy Taché. Hey, JT, how you doing? I like being called favorite son. That was great. I'll keep that nickname. I'll I'll, I'll call myself the favorite son of uh, Lauer After Hours forever. That's we're, great. We're, we're fine with that. We're fine with that. That one you should go in the Twitter bio. Favorites. I like that one a lot. That was great. I'm great. Thanks for asking. Awesome. So... A couple of things have happened since the last time we had you on, which is a while, and I want to give you a little opportunity to speak about them. Um, we'll go in reverse order, and first we'll talk about your podcast and right. sort of what's going on with that and how you feel that's going, and you know, plug yourself for a minute or two, and then we'll we'll move on from there. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, the podcast has been such a blast. For those of you who don't know, uh, I host a podcast for Bally Sports Florida called Miami Miked Up. Um, and we've now released like 15 episodes, um, although it's only been 10 weeks or so of the podcast existing, but lots of really, really fun interviews. Um, spoke with 13 players on the Heat, like 15 players on the Florida Panthers. Um, also have interviews with Jazz Chisholm Jr. and Trevor Rogers and Brian De La Cruz from the Marlins. Uh, Chris Cody from Levitard Show, Izzy Gutierrez. So we've had like, just a ton of really fun guests and saying all of that out loud in order was kind of insane for me just now sort of realizing what it's been. It, it has been um, truly the craziest couple months um, on so many different levels. And I'm sure, you know, we'll get into that on the personal side in a minute. Uh, but just professionally, this, this podcast has been a dream come true. Um, I'm getting to have conversations with people that, I didn't anticipate being in the room with um, at this point in my career. And also just in general, getting to have these conversations has been so fun because it's really one of the things that I've grown up like admiring from Levitard show was the conversations that they had uh, with folks in sports and like getting them to kind of break out of their shell a little bit. And that's the main goal of what I'm trying to do with Miami Miked Up is speaking to athletes, speaking to analysts and trying to sort of get them to give you some answers that maybe you wouldn't normally hear. Uh, and so that has gone pretty well over the last few weeks. Uh, we've had a couple of clips do okay on social media. Yeah, you've gotten some and pickup. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's been fun. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I, I can't stop talking about how, what a blast this has been. And honestly, like, and I say this every time I'm here, but thankful for your guys' Uh, support on all of that whether that's sharing on social media or continuing to have me here like you guys are awesome so thanks thank you and you're awesome as well and thanks and so now we'll move into some of the personal stuff obviously uh top of your list probably for uh 2021 so far is you getting engaged and, yes uh, yeah it's been just the great. All right. So that's the best. Yeah, that's the best thing. I mean, the, you know, the podcast is cool and all, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty damn happy. Um, yes, me and uh, my longtime girlfriend, Courtney, are now fiancés. And I have to get used to saying fiancé over girlfriend. Uh, it has happened quite a few times already. Uh, but yeah, we're, <laughs> we're doing great. So I, I got to ask, how did you do it? Okay. So I'll give you the full, I'll give you the whole day if you want. So I had a, a, a full day planned out. Um, what was real fun was, so this calendar year, there is one weekend where there were no 
regular season games being played by the Miami Heat, the Florida Panthers, or the Miami Marlins. And it was the weekend of October 9th. (laughs) And so that weekend, I knew that I could sort of, and it was the truth, hey, we have a weekend here where I don't have to work. There are no games. Let's take advantage. Let's have a nice day. I knew that it was going to end in a proposal, but Courtney just thought, hey, you know, it'll it'll be a nice day. And so um, I planned out this whole Saturday. We did a brunch, and then we went to the beach and, and read, and then uh, we came back and ended up watching a movie, which um, I now realize in retrospect um, the name of, of the movie and what the movie was is funny to think about on a proposal day, but and I'm going I'm to get to the movie, but... It, we watched it on our second date. So our first date, we went to a movie theater. We went the whitest date ever. We went to Panera Bread and a movie <laughs> um, on near the campus of UCF um, and saw Thor 2, which she had already seen and I had never seen the first one. But we wanted to find like the least you know, like like the movie that was like the, the going to cause the least possible friction. Ah, yeah, just a Marvel movie. Easy. So I, friction is not the right word, but you know, on an easy, easy, palatable movie on a first date. Our second date was to watch the movie Fight Club at her apartment based off her suggestion. It's one of her favorite movies of all time. And so on the day of the proposal, we came back here and I had said in advance, like, oh, it's been so long since we watched Fight Club. I'd love to watch Fight Club. So we watched Fight Club in the afternoon. Uh, then from there, we went on to... Uh, a little wine tasting at a restaurant. And then uh, we ended up going, which is a restaurant um, that we used to go to a lot when we lived in Orlando. And now we went to one down here. So it was like another way to kind of, you know, tie in the relationship. And then uh, we had dinner at the restaurant where we had our first date once she had moved down here. So that was all that. And then came back to the house, proposed here. Uh, had a friend who had snuck in. This is also good. Had a friend who I left a key for uh, to bring a GoPro so that he could sort of hide it in the right spot. And all I would need to do is come in, turn it on, press record. You know, we're good to go. Uh, can capture the moment, whole living room. So we walk in. Uh, Courtney goes in to, to freshen up real quick. I I run in to go grab the ring from the spot that I've hit it. I go to the GoPro. I turn it on. I go sit down where I need to be. We go through the whole proposal. I'm like, ha, you're also on camera. I walk over. I never pressed record. Uh, Oh, yeah. And so uh, the moment is captured forever in our hearts and in our minds, but not on video the way that I anticipated. I wish that everybody could see your faces to see just the deflated looks on all of your faces after I said it. I am Jack's complete lack of surprise. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) clapping into the microphone. Bravo. Bravo. Way to tie it back together. Fight Club is my favorite movie of all time. I have that entire thing memorized. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. I I will send you an article uh, that really will kind of open up your mind. It's it's a fan fiction about some conspiracy theories about it. I'll, I'll send okay, that I'm to in. you once, once we're done here, and it's going to blow your fucking mind. All right. I'm down to get into the weird, deep, dark interwebs of Fight Club trutherism. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. Let's but go. yes, it was a really lovely day uh, that clearly axled on Fight Club.
Again, as I'm sure you, you've seen from, from your fans out there, we're excited for you both. And, uh, you know, it's always good to see you smiling and happy. And, you know, uh, obviously I can tell from, from all you've said and all you've posted that she makes you happy. And I'm assuming you do the same for her. So, you know, we're happy for you. I, I like to assume the same. Yes, <laughs> I <laughs> hope so. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's amazing. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, you could tell just based off that day, right? Like it was a... Real nice time. We get to just spend time together. So um, sounds like yeah, it. things are good, man. I'm I'm gonna. This is a fun space. You guys caught me in here when we were talking in the middle of uh, middle of you know July of 2020, and I was like spiraling off the edge of the earth. <laughs> things have changed a little bit since then, and I'm I'm very grateful that you guys have kind of stuck with me through all that. So absolutely, yeah, it's, it's a funny time. So I'm gonna jump back to your pod for a second and ask you a question. Please for you to tell me something not work related mm. and not proposal related that has made you happy this week. Okay. Um, well, I'll make it a different sort of proposal. So I went and got to see family um, this past weekend. Uh, it was my cousin's wedding. So two weekends ago, I proposed to my now fiance, but this past weekend we got to go up and see family a lot of whom we hadn't seen, you know, since the pandemic started. Um, and we got, to, we were up in the mountains in North Carolina and it was just like the most beautiful place. Um, and it was kind of funny and not to bring it back to work, but uh, all the work stuff was like automated to post while I was gone for the most part. Like I didn't have a lot of work to do while I was there. And so it was funny being in the mountains with no service is like things are getting shared by people that you want them to be shared by. And you, I had no idea until like hours later. Um, but being away and sort of like doing my best to unplug a little bit, but really more than anything, just seeing family. Like I, there's nothing I love more than getting to see family and being around, you know, the people that, that you love. And so it was cool because I got to spend time with like my parents, my brother, my now fiance, all five of us. But then also getting to see some extended family and being in a beautiful place, it was amazing until I got car sickness on the drive back in. It was <laughs> that did not bring me joy. That was <laughs> well, I was gonna say awesome, but <laughs> yeah, condolences everything as well, was I guess. great until that moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, but it was a great trip. I mean, it's the one of the I love, I love the mountains in North Carolina. Like, that's like awesome, awesome. Then, so now we'll pivot to why we're really here, which is to talk baseball and do a little oh, World yeah. Series preview. And we're going to start by going out to Pam. She's got a question for you. Hey, JT, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Good. I'm well. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations on your engagement. I'm super excited you. for you both. You're both very lucky. Oh, thank, um, that's very sweet of you. Thank you. Question is, uh, okay, so the chop. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, is that the question? So the chop? You're very Welcome. I hate it. Um, so the <sighs> chop is super controversial, obviously. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah. So what's going to happen in the World Series? Are they just going to do it anyway? Uh, yes. That that that's your answer. Yeah, they'll do it. Um, it's. I don't want to say like it's Georgia, but it's it's Georgia. You know. Um, yeah. It's not. It's not New York City. Uh, there's not. The same. I, I mean, I'm not like trying to paint too much with a broad, broad brush here, but the chop has existed in in it, you know, 
within the Braves organization forever. Um, and they have no right to, to do it. Um, there's been protests outside their stadium dating back decades, and it's never done anything. Um, could it do something now and, you know, in quote unquote, like woke 2021, maybe, um, could it also have folks digging more into their heels than ever? And it just makes it the focal point and the rallying cry. They tried to stop us from doing the chop and that's why we won. Like that could happen too. I, I'm so not ready for all of the inevitable rhetoric that's going to come around it because none of it's ever the elevated conversation that it needs to be. Um, the only person, and I'm sure he's spoken on it and I hate like outsourcing, uh, commentary, but like the only person who I want to hear talk about it is Bamani because he's like, has ties to the Atlanta sports scene. Yep. But with that, like, I'm intrigued by what his opinion is of it. And I imagine it's already out there. I just haven't gone searching for it yet. I'm sure he's spoken on it at some point. Um, but even regard, like, regardless of that, it's one of those things where it's like, I just don't understand why we're so comfortable with like blatantly racist things existing within our sports mm-hmm. culture. And I, I understand that tradition ha- like has to exist in sports. There's so many things that we love about the tradition of our respective teams. And I'm sure that within some of the traditions that do exist in my own respective sports fandom, I have hypocrisies probably in there that I don't even realize. Like, I'm sure that I do in certain cheers. There were cheers that like the Florida Gators fans found out were based in racist stuff before last season that they had no idea, right? In a, in a general sense, not the people who originated it, who, you know, are the alumni or whatever, but it, it, there's all sorts of stuff within it. But it, it frustrates me specifically with the Braves because like, what justification do you have? Like at least Florida State, like they have a real tie with like the Seminole tribe, mm-hmm. you know, they have the Seminole tribe, like participating in conversations about what's okay and what's not. Um, I don't know that the Braves have had any of those conversations, but like, I do know that there have been activist groups since the mid to late nineties protesting against it. Um, I think it's just like, I don't know. I, I, it's just so distasteful. Like I just, it's one of those things where I, I struggle with it. Uh, and I, I don't, I get that like fans need to have their things. And I get that like being a raucous stadium absolutely matters. Home field advantage in, in playoff baseball is a real thing. Uh, you can just be a good fan without being racist. I'd like to think, you know, one would Um, think. Yeah. So, and I know it's easy for me down here in South Florida, not at Truist park, not growing up a Braves fan, all of those things, it's easy for me to sort of sit here on my pedestal and preach. Like I, I get that. But I also like, would just ask you to question, like if it was something that was at all mocking your group of people that you are a part of how you would feel about it. Like, cause it is, it's mockery. Like it's not anything but mockery. Um, and that that's all there is to it. Like, it's not anything besides a, a kind of gross interpretation of something. And it's, and it's blossomed away from that. Like the folks doing it, aren't sitting here thinking like, Oh, we're being, you know, we're making fun of native Americans. 
but it is what it is, you know, and that's that's why I'm so not excited for the conversation that's going to happen uh, around it. But you know. yeah, yeah. No, I'm, it's going to become um, a focal point of the World Series, I'm afraid. And some of the magic that comes with the World Series will be lost in controversy. Well, between the chop and the Astros, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to lose some of its magic. I'm I'm worried. And what's so unfortunate is the Braves went out of their way, like in game six, to bring in this like super anti-vax, anti-mask national anthem singer. They've got that going on. They've got the chop going on. When this World Series, all it should be about is Hank Aaron, right? Mm -hmm. A guy who was like the opposite of all of those types of things, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and, and a legend who knows Dusty Baker hired Brian Snitker within the Braves organization. All this World Series should be about is celebrating Hank Aaron in the year, like right now. And instead, you know, it, it that's not all it's going to be about, you know? Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, I, hopefully that that's what it gets to be about. And hopefully at least like the TV network does a decent job of, of making it about that so that we don't focus on the rest of it. Yeah, exactly. I hope so too. Thank you so much. Thanks. Sorry for I took so much time. Oh, yeah. I'm the one who rambles constantly. Thank you. So speaking, continuing down the Astros tangent for a second. Do you think if they're able to win this year, it will erase any of 2017? Or do you think like the recent whistling accusations matter? Or does all the goodwill from Dusty sort of get everyone to sort of rally or want to hug? you know, them and him getting his first World Series because he doesn't currently have one, even though he's been in baseball, right. what seems like, you know, 70 Literally years. forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like he's been in the game since the day it was invented. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I'm like, I, I think I've come to realize I'm a bit contrarian on this. I like, want, I think I want the Astros to win and I want them to rub it in everyone's face. Like, I think it's kind of awesome that they're out here proving, hey guys, we're really, really special. We're really great at this game. And it earlier today, I was thinking about having this conversation with you guys, and I was trying to think of the proper comparison. And kind of the only thing I can think of is the way that we all acted when Deflategate and Spygate happened, two separate cheating accusations and how winning just completely erased all of it. I mean, it's undebatable that Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time, and nobody would disagree with you. Not not anyone with common sense. Now, one World Series doesn't erase the accusations that existed with the Astros. But to do what they're doing, and specifically to be led by their offense through this you know, these playoffs against these specific teams that they're taking down. And if they can go on to then beat like the Braves here who have that team of destiny thing written all over them and continue to rake all the way through, like all I want is like Jose Altuve to hit 800 with five bombs in the world series and be ripping off his shirt every other at bat. Like it play the heel. It's fun. There's nothing better for sports than when a heel is succeeding. There was nothing better for the NBA 
basically since Jordan than when the big three existed. And everyone besides their market here in Miami hated them, hated them the entire time they were making the run. And it was incredible for basketball. I want the Astros to keep going back to the World Series over and over so that everybody hates them. Like, I think I kind of like this. And I'm, I'm, sort, I'm almost like workshopping this here with you guys, but I find myself rooting for them. It's really, really bizarre. And I do think that if they end up winning this without Justin Verlander, by the way, who's been missing this entire time, a guy who was an ace that helped carry them through all of this. They're, they're doing it with the offense in a large respect. Like, it's so impressive the way that they kind of just retooled, let Springer go. We're kind of toying with the idea of breaking it all up. Might still lose Correa in the offseason, and yet right back in the World Series for the third time in five years. Like, it's it's really cool what's happening with them. It's a fun storyline, and it's like, it's it's a bit of a shame they don't get to play the Dodgers because, like, that would really bring it full circle. Yes. Um, and, and I don't... I don't know who I was really rooting for there. I do like the team of destiny thing with the Braves. I love the acquisitions they made at the deadline. That was so fun to be aggressive like that. So I, Jock Peterson and his pearl necklace, like it's the coolest. But a little part of you wishes it was Astros Dodgers where the stakes were back to 2017 and you're doing it all over again. And the Dodgers are trying to prove, you know, that they're not a fluke from the 2020 World Series. That, that might have been the one you're looking for. But with this, it's, it's damn fun. Like, and I think what the Astros are doing is, is super cool. Like it makes people that don't like baseball want to tune in and see like, wait a second, at least it should. If you're someone who doesn't like baseball, don't you want to see whether or not the team that won a world series and then had this huge cheating scandal can do it with the same core. It's, it's crazy. And for that matter, missing the guy who was the best of any of them, George Springer was the playoff performer. He was the world series MVP, you know? So I, Gosh, I love I love what's happening with the Astros. I think it's fascinating. I th- I think it's I mean I'm not a fan of the Astros, but right, um, you know they're they're further down the list than than some of the other hated teams like the Red Sox and the Braves for me. Right. So I'm oh, actually very conflicted <laughs> on this World Series because I'm like I don't like you to these teams, but right. I certainly agree with you that playing the heel and playing up the heel, if nothing else, will get people who are like casually. Fa- I mean, you know, if you see an article that talks about the, you know, the bad Astros, people are going to click on those type of headlines oh, for and real. be interested in those type of stories and these games. You know, when you have I a- just, oh, I just thought about what a shame it is that Brian McCann isn't still on the Braves, like the miss, <laughs> the cop of baseball not being behind the plate for this series is such a shame. They should fly him in for the first pitch. I didn't even think, oh. I was literally been, just going to say he's got to throw out the first pitch. <laughs> he well, And he's a former Astro too. Yeah. Like he played for both teams. He'd be, oh God, the world misses Brian McCann right you need now. Him, you need him in the box for like a half inning just to just to go off on, on what he thinks. Right. He need, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm like. Yeah, he needs to be in the broadcast booth at some point. I hope somebody before you us put him and thought Schmoltz about together, this. You know, and Holy there's cow. a connection in the history. They'll just, you know. Oh my gosh, it would be remarkable. It'd be remarkable. But yeah, he's like the the ultimate guy that should have been in this series. My goodness. So now we're gonna go over to Beep for his question, which I believe he actually uh, gave you a little heads up on, so yes. uh, you weren't floundering. Go ahead, yeah. Beep. Thank you. Yeah. So actually, uh, real quick. Do the Astros need to win this World Series in order to keep Carlos Correa, or if they lose, he's gone? 
I I don't know even if they win it if he's still there. Like I I think that there's going to be teams that are offering him insane contracts, and if they want to pay it, he'll stay, and if they don't want to pay it, he'll go. Um, but he's going to get one of those mammoth deals to where you're. I would think he's going to get a deal that sort of outpaces what his actual production has been uh, simply because he's a shortstop and the flashes that he's shown and he's still, I mean, he's still so damn young, like in the grand scheme of things. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to retain him or not, Um, but I think it just comes down to whether or not they want to pay him because I, I don't see a reason why he would be dying to get out of there unless I mean, seriously, unless this like world series goes so horribly wrong and they just become the laughing stock of baseball in some weird way. And he just needs to start fresh. I don't really see a reason why they can't retain him. Um, I just, I don't know that they will like the Yankees exist. The Red Sox exist. I mean, I know the Red Sox don't need a shortstop, but there are, you know, teams with those types of payrolls, right? And particularly, it's the Yankees. It's always the yeah. Yankees. Yeah, it's always the Definitely. Yankees. And and why wouldn't you want to be the shortstop for the New York Yankees? You know, like, why wouldn't you want to be that if you're Carlos Correa and you can make X amount of dollars to be it? You know, um, it, but if they win, gosh, and you get even close to the same deal, you could be a legend um, for your own franchise. He's already arguably their best. I mean, I know we're going to get to it, but he's already arguably their greatest shortstop ever. You could be one of their, maybe their greatest player ever. Right. If, if you continue on this path and gosh, you're never going to be the greatest Yankee shortstop. You can't. Yeah. Impossible. You'll never be the best Bulls shooting guard. Like you'll never be the best Yankee shortstop, <laughs> you know, like it never. So there is something of an allure to staying where you're at. Um, but gosh, there's teams that I haven't mentioned that I'm sure will become players in all of this with oh, giant sure. payrolls, the same five, six teams, because that's how it works in baseball. Yeah. Uh, well, you just mentioned, you know, all-time greats. Um, I I sent you this question in advance because I, I didn't want you to get blindsided by this one. But Thank you. I want you to come up with uh, your all-time roster or your all-time lineup for both the Braves and the Astros and then – Who's going to win a seven-game series between these teams? So while you're kind of thinking about about that little part, I'll go ahead and run down uh, my lineup here, and then you can kind of I'll give you what's different. Yeah. So for the Braves, obviously the Braves have a little bit longer history uh, because I also included, you know, the Milwaukee Braves, the Boston Braves, you know, going all the way back to, what is it, 1876 or something (laughs) like that. Okay. Um, but leading off at second base, I've got Rabbit Marinville, uh, the team oh my leader gosh. in triples. Uh, center fielder uh, in the two-hole, uh, Acuna Jr. Uh, number three-hole, right fielder, Hammer and Hank. Got got to have yes. them right there, top three. Uh, batting fourth, cleanup, left fielder, Andrew Jones. Batting fifth, third baseman, uh, Chipper Jones. Uh, mm. Now, this one, this one kind of was a toss-up here at first base. Um, I've got Eddie Matthews. I mean, okay. all-time Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, that's that's right there. Uh, in the seven spot, uh, catching Joe Torre. Uh, oh, you, okay, you went with Torre. Got got to have Torre there. Uh, uh, in the eight hole, uh, shortstop Rafael for call. Just mm. a spark plug right there. 
Uh, starting pitcher, this one was also kind of a toss-up because you have, you know, eight or nine amazing pitchers, you know, over right. the course of the Braves' history. I went with Warren Spahn. And then yes. the closer was John Smoltz. And then uh, pinch hitter off the bench, Freddie Freeman. Okay. All right. All right. I like I like the order. All right. So uh, one, three, four. All right. So I do have my eight. Well, I didn't go with the DH because, you know, National League. Uh, that's how we do it. I also didn't go with the DH in the other one, but I can. Um, leading off for me playing center field was Andrew Jones, not Ronald Acuna Jr. Hmm. Uh, despite the fact that Ronald Acuna Jr. might actually be like the most purely talented person I've ever seen. Uh, Andrew Jones was Ronald Acuna Jr. before Ronald Acuna Jr. Like he was spectacular. And he and a lot of what I'm about to do here is not actually for either of these teams, maybe their best teams of all time. But it's also like there's some personal ties to these guys that I grew up watching or things like that. And Andrew Jones, Andrew Jones is like the probably the first guy that I remember being like, oh, that's what a young phenom is. It's Andrew Jones. And I was like probably three or four years old. Like looking back, it's probably in the late 90s, but he was spectacular. Uh, batting second, first base, Freddie Freeman. Um, he's too great. And other than Ryan Zimmerman, maybe the greatest Marlins killer of all time, uh, Ryan Zimmerman will sort of forever take the cake on that one for me. He was amazing. But Freddie Freeman is a close two. Hank Aaron playing right field, batting third. Uh, Chipper Jones playing third base, batting fourth. Dale Murphy playing left field, batting fifth. Had to make sure we got Dale Murphy in there. Javi Lopez catching, batting sixth. I loved me some Javi Lopez. I don't even, he was the best back there and the worst back there. He was, yeah. he was like your prototypical steroid era catcher of just uh -huh. like weirdly hit 40 home runs and then disappeared. Uh, and speaking of steroid era, Batting seventh, playing second base, Dan Ugla. How about that? <laughs> Dan Ugla went to an all-star game with the Atlanta Braves, if I remember correctly, right after signing, uh, being with the Florida Marlins. And I remember it was either with the Marlins or the Braves, but Dan Ugla playing second base and making three errors in two innings and needing to be removed from an all-star game because he was so horrible at second base. Uh, and then batting, batting eighth, Shortstop Rafael for call. He's the first guy, uh, another like one of those firsts that I remember seeing and being like, that is a rocket from shortstop. That is different than anything I've seen. He was so good at shortstop um, and so fun to watch. And then, so obviously there's Warren Spawn and there's like Spawn in Spain and Pray for Rain. We've got that reference, obviously, with the starters. And there's, you know, their big three from the 90s. It's Maddox, Glad, and Smoltz. For me, forever a Greg Maddox stan. He is my personal favorite pitcher ever, maybe because I saw a little too much of my game in low velocity, high strike total. Uh, but I wanted to be Greg Maddox. Like, that's who I, I modeled everything after, his two-seam fastball, everything about him. Um, he, was my, he was just one of my favorite pitchers ever, so I had to put him there. Um, and then we had... I think you said like relief, relief pitcher and a closer is at least how I had it set up. It doesn't yeah. need to be that way, but I'll, I'll keep it that way. So my closer, I went with Smoltz as well. Uh, but my setup, man, I went with Billy Wagner um, because Billy Wagner 
uh, while, you know, also legitimately, and I, I'll mention it on the other list, but had his moments with the Astros. Uh, also, with the Braves, I, I was listening to a podcast. Who was it? Was it Cespedes Family Barbecue? It might have been Cespedes Family Barbecue. Those guys are great. Pod- oh, the, they're amazing. And I believe that the podcast was what's the greatest singular pitch of all time? So whose singular pitch? Is it Pedro's changeup? Is it like it was things like that, right? It was Randy Johnson's fastball. Moe's cutter. And right, exactly. And so they had certain writers on there who were talking about stats. They had certain players who were talking about things they faced. Billy Wagner's fastball came up from more than one person, which completely changed my perspective on Billy Wagner because I was like, Billy Wagner's fastball, really? And there were guys, and I'm I'm mad now that I'm forgetting exactly who it was. It might have been Nick Swisher who mentioned it first, that they were basically saying that that thing exploded out of his arm like a cannon and that nothing looked as fast as his fastball. And it was that dominant. And so some of those Billy Wagner years that he got to stop by in Atlanta, I'm going to throw him in as the setup man, not the closer, because that goes to John Smalls. Fair enough. Now for the uh, the Astros, I've got leading off in center field, uh, Cesar Cedeno. Okay. Uh, batting second uh, at second base, Jose Altuve. Batting third at first, I've got uh, Jeff Bagwell. Uh, mm-hmm. Batting in the cleanup spot, left fielder Carlos Lee. Uh, batting uh, fifth in right field, I've got uh, Lance Berkman. Uh, okay. Batting sixth, uh, catching Craig Biggio. Uh, seventh at short, uh, Correa. Batting eighth at third base, Alex Bregman. And then uh, starting pitcher, batting ninth is Nolan Ryan. And then my cool. closer is Billy Wagner. Yep. And then coming off the bench as a pinch hitter, I've got uh, just for the name itself and just for his intimidation factor is going to be Ken Caminiti. Yes. Okay. Ken Caminiti is a great pull. And I'm glad you mentioned him because I didn't take him in this. And I, I'm glad that we got to bring him up. So mine's a pretty modern take as well. Um, I know a lot of yours were, were pretty modern guys for the most part. And mine's in the same vein. So I'll give you pitching first. Um, I went with Nolan Ryan, even though I don't want to. Um, and so I used my <laughs> reliever spot on the guy that I really want, who is Roy Oswalt. Uh, Roy Oswalt, again, one of my favorite pitchers of all time. Like, it was, there was an era where it was like you could turn on TBS on any given night and you could see Roy Oswalt, Chris Carpenter, or Roy Halladay. And it was just like, man, bulldogs on the mound. And Oswalt was so much smaller than them. And it was just, oh, he was great. And his little weird lead kick and his mechanics. Like, I freaking loved Roy Oswalt. He was of the same, cut from that same cloth that Tim Lincecum later came from. Like, the small guy that kind of overachieved and threw hard and had movement on pitches. He was the best. I loved Roy Oswalt. And then I had Billy Wagner. exploded off the run. Like, just, it was, yes. like, like, Like a track star. Yes, it was all about just like torque and momentum, and it was oh, it was remarkable. Um, yeah. he was my favorite, and so then going with the lineup, um, I I cheated a little bit and used Biggio as a plug and play. So I put him in center field, even though he's not a center fielder at all and is a Hall of Famer for playing a bunch of other positions. Uh, but I put him in center field, and he's leading off. So Craig Biggio goes there, um, batting, and I'll, you'll see why at the eighth spot, batting second. 
uh, the second baseman, Jose Altuve. Um, that's where Craig Vigio could not go uh, with second base. Batting third, Jeff Bagwell. Um, also considered Carlos Lee to maybe play some first base, um, but had to go with Bagwell. Ultimately, obviously. Uh, batting fourth in left field, Lance Berkman. Lance Berkman. Let's just talk a second about Lance Berkman. To me, one of the most underrated players of that entire era. A switch yeah. hitter who was remarkably consistent. Had years in the middle of the steroid era where never linked to steroids, hit 320 with 45 bombs and 130 RBIs. And I know those are like the antiquated stats, right? The counting stats. There were so many guys on base. Look at who's hitting around you, all those things. But Lance Berkman was great. Like, I loved watching that guy hit. And there were few guys during that era that in a big moment, you, like, feared more coming up to the plate than Lance Berkman. I think one of the – he'll never be a Hall of Famer, but one of the more underrated players of that era. Um, like, not quite, not quite the Fred McGriff of his era, but, like, the next tier within his era like really could, really good player and he could play anywhere too he could play left yeah. he could play right third first i mean i bet he can and get behind power. the plate too like yeah, he was exactly. he was he was really good like like there's not a lot of guys in baseball right now as good as lance berkman was like he was so good um and he wasn't hitting God, 260 with 45 that, bombs he was hitting 320 right. 310 325 yeah. you know yeah he was so he could rake it wherever he needed to go and then he could uh -huh. also the bombs yeah, and I and I hate to say like, oh, the wrong guys is good because obviously the skill sets have to change, the approach changes. Don't jump down my throat for saying that, Twitter. But Lance Berkman loved him. Uh, batting fifth, um, the first Jew in my lineup, Alex Bregman. Uh, he, he plays uh, third base. Batting sixth, Carlos Correa playing shortstop. Batting seventh, George Springer in right field. Although I really came close to taking a young Hunter Pence. Man, when Hunter Pence came on the scene, he was such a maniac and only became more of a maniac as he got older, but he was so much fun. And then batting eighth, the second Jew, uh, Brad Osmus, catching. Uh, gotta, gotta love Brad Osmus, went on to be a manager um, and also, also was like a really steady good player for the Astros for a number of yeah. years. Like he was, that was a really good catcher to have for gosh, nearly a decade, I think. He was there for a long time. Maybe it feels like that. He wasn't actually there that long. Um, but he was steady. And any catcher who goes on to become a manager, you have to imagine, was like a great guy to have around the clubhouse and all those things. So to tie together, you know, the roid-raged Bagwell and possibly Biggio uh, and, you know, the weirdos of George Springer and Correa and all these cheaters. Man, a lot of cheaters on the Astros, huh? <laughs> um, huh, who would have thought? Uh, would but, yeah, it, it, bring them together. So who's, who's, who's going to win this series? Mm. So this is tough. Um, I tend to think that uh, the Astros will win. Wow. Um, and I believe that because in part because they've been there before um, and I actually do think that that matters uh, not through most of the playoffs but the World Series is something different like again like in the NFL where these guys are cool and then the Super Bowl comes around where you got a couple of weeks off and you know it changes things um, and the Braves have been so incredible. Um, 
I always worry when a team is playing like that and it's all these guys who are red hot and stepping up in weird scenarios, how stepping away from the game for even a few days can change things. Um, and I don't believe they're playing till Tuesday. Um, having four or five days off, while it sounds like a great thing for their bodies, not always the best thing for hitters. Um, and so when I look at the Astros lineup, I see more guys that are like actually legitimately dominant hitters in it than somehow Eddie Rosario and Jock Peterson have been, right? Like the, and if the Braves do it, they'll be that stereotypical, almost like the Royals and like, there's so many guys that have just stepped in and become legends of of the postseason here between you know like i just mentioned rosario and peterson or or who knows uh, it could be a charlie morton or a max freed that comes out and just dominates a game or two on the mound and, and changes the math within the series um but i just look at what the astros have in their lineup um and what they've been able to sort of piece together within the bullpen although it's not like it's not like it's you know top tier but they're doing what they can i, I don't know i just it there's this is one of those series where you guys could convince me either direction to be blatantly honest like it's not a foregone conclusion for either team because there are so many reasons to believe that the phillies are built for this and that hey the phillies actually have pitching that might last deeper into games i mean not the phillies the braves sorry what the fuck just happened there uh that the braves uh you know are built to go you know starters are built to go deeper into the game some of them and you know their starters actually despite not having the postseason experience at least have pitched in games more so than some of these kids that the astros are sort of just tossing out there but sometimes that almost works better like we've heard that matter we've heard from david sampson about how like miguel cabrera didn't really understand the stakes of the world series and was just like that guy threw at me i want to hit a homer it was roger clemens you know sometimes when the young guys are dontrell willis was a rookie in that and dominated and it's like josh beckett was so young like sometimes it's almost better when these guys when when, when you're throwing guys into situations and they don't understand the stakes it's either that or you got the astros who the flip side of it is they understand the stakes better than anybody and have been there before and they're they've won world series man they're just they're coasting and 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 saying all right we're gonna show you guys but they don't really have anything to prove um where for the braves freddie freeman's contract comes up at some point and you haven't been here since 99 and there's a lot of like pressure to the first time in how long um I don't think that the Braves crack under that necessarily, but I do think they have a lot more guys who could go really, really cold. And this is not to do like a, you know, parade of gas bags, <laughs> gas bags when I ultimately am wrong and they win the world series. Cause like part of me roots for them, the NL East. All right. But it's like, I've watched Adam Duvall go like one for 26 with 13 strikeouts. And then hit four homers and eight at bats. And so it's like, which one are you going to get? Cause if you get the good one, you're going to win the world series. <laughs> like that's it. You know, if he's what he can be for five games, they could win the world series and he could be the world series MVP, or he could go one for 25 with 14 strikeouts. Like it, 
and Jock Peterson's the same way. And Eddie Rosario has had moments that have been similar. Like all these guys that have been huge contributors for them, other than Freddie Freeman, who knows what you're going to get. Where with the Astros, I at least have, you'll get something in this box, you know, from from here to here. It might be worse than you expect. It might be better than you expect, but it's not going to be completely out of control from the expected, you know, outcome. Yeah, that's that's awesome, JT. I appreciate it. Um, of course. It's a great answer. I did just mean between the all-time teams, but I love this answer even better. LOL. <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> uh, yeah, Braves. <laughs> Perfect. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> man, he could have stopped know. me. No, no, I, you were on a roll, man. Yeah, you were on a roll. I am not stopping. I don't. Oh, I don't stop God, the train. I don't. Yeah, we're, we're we're good. It had left the station. Clearly. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Well, you know, I can ramble sometimes. It's fine. I've already mentioned that at the beginning. Uh, no, but yeah, I mean, I I guess when you when you do look back at like the actual series with these two teams, like. It is a total crapshoot. I could have convinced myself of either team and given you the opposite argument because neither one of them was really anticipated to be here, and that's what's so fun. Like, it's just so fun. And what's weird is that the Astros weren't anticipated to be here because they were the best team all year. Like They were the best offense all year, and yeah. we just ignored it. We didn't We didn't because we didn't want to believe it. We all just hoped that it wasn't true, and yet here they are rubbing it in our faces once again. So I've got another question for you, JT. When we're think backing, this is a little bit before your time, but you know, when the Braves in the '80s were on TBS, and they sort of became America's team, even though they stunk, but they were on every day, every afternoon. Right. Every kid came home, and you could watch TBS or WGN, and you picked sort of one of those two teams do you think there's ever that like a 30 for 30 would pick up that idea or someone else pick up that idea and sort of categorize or or chronicle how that sort of happened in a similar way that sort of the cowboys who were always on tv became sort of one of america's teams but you know even through all the you know the the unperforming they were still so beloved because they were just around i guess i don't know i almost wonder if that'll be like something that is done together Right. Like, so you just mentioned the Cowboys. Like, I wonder if it'll be a documentary on the time in which sports teams became America's team, quote unquote, just by being available. Right. And those are the two great examples of it. Um, I know my dad, like my dad originally grew up in New York, but then moved down to South Florida. And so for him as a high schooler, like all he could watch was the Atlanta Braves uh, in Florida. And in some ways they became his team until the Marlins founded a team in 93. Um, And I know he wasn't like a big fan or anything, but they were always around. So you knew everything about them. Um, I think that's like the coolest thing. Like I do think it's so cool how just based off of Ted Turner deciding I'm going to broadcast these baseball games on my network and I'm going to own this team that they ended up really kind of penetrating the cue of American culture. Like people knew about the Braves. Um, and I do think that like something like a 30 for 30 would be so cool on something like that. Cool. Cool. I think, I think it's just an interesting topic. Um, especially because there, you know, we've, as we've gone away or as time has continued and there's been more options and more channels out there, you know, some of that has gone away, but there's still a part yeah. of 
like I have a good friend who lives in near Baltimore and he's an O's fan, O's fan but mm-hmm. he's also a Braves fan because they were just on every day for him. Like it was mm-hmm. just, he came home from school and oh, the Braves are on, you know, and he just mm-hmm. put it on and Murphy and a lot of the players from the eighties, he was just a big fan of because I don't want to, I don't want to steady play the game the right way, but they certainly were like a fundamental base team. They weren't looking to hit yep. 40 home runs. They were doing, they were, you know, pitching, catching and right. sort of hitting, I guess. I don't know without. And they were, but no, nah, but they were also just around, right? Like, so yeah. it was almost, uh, I was just, <laughs> so my fiance and I are uh, rewatching friends or actually I'm watching it for the first time. Okay. Give me if you want. Um, for either for watching it or for not having watched it before. But um, we're rewatching Friends and we were talking because we just got to season two and we were talking about, man, what, gosh, the expectations must have been so high and there must have been so much pressure going into season two. And we were comparing it and I was like, oh, it must have been like, you know, like what Ted Lasso was feeling. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, no a lot more pressure for friends because there were way way fewer shows like way fewer shows there was nothing available in the same way that you know now how many there's a literally an infinite amount of shows so no different than what you bring up everybody became a fan of the braves because it was the only baseball they could watch so whether they they might have endeared themselves to those teams like they might have we might be looking back on some of those teams as you know playing the right way with sort of rose-colored glasses because really it was the only thing that was available um, yeah. and you just kind of wanted to consume it. But there's countless examples of people just like what you're talking about that are either still Cowboys fans or still Braves fans or whatever team was available regionally for a long time because it's all that there was. I think that's yeah. cool. Like, I think it's cool the way that works. I agree. I agree. I think it's a, it's definitely a time that when you look at your time now and your options and all the stuff that's going on now, it's definitely looking back. I mean, it's not nostalgic exactly, but it's sort of like, oh, I remember that. Like it was just, a, you know, and especially for someone, I mean, like I said, I don't like the Braves, not anything to do with no. the 80s, just in general as a Yankees right. fan, but they certainly were something that was around and on and whatnot when I was growing up and, you know, versus now that, you know, a lot of people watch their local team and nothing else. Yeah. I don't know. You know, when totally I was growing different. up, and, you know, and Channel Five Braves. on you know on Saturdays, game of the week, Twib notes. There was a lot of stuff that was just a part yep. of, you know, what you did. So yeah, and the, the Braves had you down two games to none, and if they don't blow that, there's no Yankee dynasty. This is true. Ever. And Jim Larry is Yankee an dynasty. awful human being. But he has a great swing against uh, against Wallace. Oh Wallers. gosh, he's or no, I, yeah, I, <laughs> that guy. And and I, am I your friend from Baltimore that that grew up watching the Braves like that? It was more '90s for me. No, like, it's like, not. It's it's my friend Tom who actually gave me the TBS question in, in the general sense. Um, <laughs> but but you I can be that. my second friend from Baltimore, who's it, area, who's it now, was actually who's now a Braves fan. It was actually easier to watch the Orioles. Um, I'm sorry. It was easier to watch the Braves than it was the Orioles. The Orioles yeah, didn't right, have I a yeah. So like I could just I could just watch the Braves whenever I wanted. So it's crazy. Anyway. It's crazy the way that all works. I wish that we all had more access to all the teams. Maybe soon we'll see. Yeah, that that would be nice. Hopefully, uh, hopefully what they're sort of talking about mm-hmm. can sort of become a reality much more. 
So we're going to throw it out if she is here. Morgan, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. Hi, friends. Okay, Morgan. Hey. Hello. So I don't give a single shit about the World Series. So I'm here to ask about your new fiance and how you proposed because I think that's much more interesting. And Ooh, I, I, am I going to tell you that you have to listen to the episode because we already covered it or should I recount this because I love you? No, so I, I've listened. I'm, 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 a, I'm an avid <laughs> listener. How dare you? No, I've, Morgan. Our this jerk. Like the second question we asked today was See, we already I, talked I knew, about I knew, that, I knew that being late was going to really be painful. I do have another question. It was how many things okay. should Jose Altuve stick to his chest so that when he rips his shirt open, like there's like 20 yes, things stuck yes, to it? Yes, yes, yes. I'm in on this. He should put yes. like... He should put uh, like EKG, put, like the ECG monitors. Yes. I want to see yeah, yeah, stickers yeah. all over his chest. Uh -huh. I want, like I want tempor I, I want temporary tattoos. I want yep. lollipops intertwined into chest hair. I want, I want, I want a wooden you spoon. I want a wooden spoon because what else? Uh, a chancleta, like anything that you can hit something <laughs> with. Everything. I want everything stuck to his chest. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think that he should do that. And like I was just saying before, I think he should absolutely every moment he gets be ripping his shirt off yes. with all of this stuff. Each time there's something new. Wouldn't it be funnier? This is a good one. What if he starts with like clean shaven chest hair? Right. And then the <laughs> next time you see him with his shirt off, there's just like a little taped on stubble. And then the next time, and he's like working with a makeup artist. And then the next time, and by the end, it's just this insane beastly chest hair by the end of it. That's like popping out of his Jersey. He's got a size up. Oh my gosh. I, I, I love want, it. I think that I want, should be I want necklaces. I want him to have like pearl necklaces. Like, mm -hmm. don't worry about it, Jeff. Like I want him to have everything. I, I think that like, I'm, I've, I've been here since we were talking about leaning in and I really think that they need to lean into the heel. 100%. Thing. Yes. I absolutely, they need to lean into it. If it were me, I don't know if they have any sort of like black jerseys of any kind, any sort of black accessories at this point, but wear as much black as you can be the villain. Like, yeah, I want to see him like, be, I want him like have stripper uniforms that like rip mm -hmm. apart really easily. And he should have the snap off pants. Yeah, he like should jerseys. have a snap-off shirt that just like yeah. poo, and the buttons fly everywhere and uh -huh. out. Come every time like, he flexes. So yeah, when and I like want Apple Watches face, to fly out everything. Mm -hmm. Every every kind of cheating device I want to fly <laughs> out. We could not be more on the same page in regard to any of this. Yeah, I Perfect. love it. They should bring out, they should have as a prop, the first base coach should be holding a lie detector test. As they round first base, they, you know, start taking the lie detector test, take your time running around the field. It'd be great. All of it. Metal yeah. detector that he goes up and down his back and nothing happens. He goes up and down his front and it goes crazy. Oh, a metal detector. I want like, I want, like the seventh inning stretch. I want Maury Povich to come out and be like, the lie detector <laughs> said that was a lie. <laughs> it, oh, but if. If they do a metal detector, they should do metal detectors every time somebody uh, hits a homer, every time they have to come back into the dugout, they should be holding up metal. That's hilarious. That is so like the wands, they wand down their teammates after home runs. Oh my God. The problem so is, and you, you know, this, JT, baseball's just not this fun. 
Oh, they that's just won't so, even like. No, I will say no sport would be this fun. No, well, we, yeah, we can drag on it. baseball all we want. No sport would be doing yeah. metal detectors. No, they all but, take themselves far too seriously for that. Uh-huh. Oh, God, that would be incredible. And then that you go to McCann incredible. in the booth to get his opinion on it. Right. That's when you go to Brian McCann. <laughs> exactly. That's when you bring it just to see his face just fuming with smoke coming out of his ears. Holy cow. So we're all on the stories now, yeah? Stories in six? Yeah, that's why I'm I'm in. It's got I'm, seven. I hope I want seven. I want Stros in seven. Uh just because I want seven baseball games. But yeah, I love I'm, seven baseball I games. I'm, I think I'm not only predicting them, I'm I'm rooting for them. I really am. Yeah, same. I, that's, I'm I, I love the redemption. I, I don't want a redemption arc to be good. I want a redemption arc, but I want them to still be asshole cheaters. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I think I've decided I'm going to use all goodwill that I've created amongst Twitter in the last month and waste it on deciding <laughs> to root for the Astros. Yes. Double that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, the full everybody I love cheating. Yeah. Like, it'd be great. <laughs> Some great. people merely adopted the dark. The stories were born in it. <laughs> They're great. I, it's it's fun. It's like I don't know. I think that this whole thing is just a. It's such a weird. You never get this. You never get the cheaters back again. No, because cheaters never prosper. Brady, right? That's what the universe tells you. But well, I want them Tom to Brady. prosper. Right. But, yeah. Because Brady's done it. Now we have the 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 imprint for how you do it and you do it by just beating everybody down forever and then being cocky about the fact that nobody can touch you even and completely unapologetic just keep doing it yes do it forever i oh man it'd be i want like a fire alarm to go off i just want everything (laughs) i want all chaos that could possibly exist in this series. I want their dugout to be just full of trash cans. I want yes. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And then the Braves fans are going to, uh, you know that inevitably this ends with fans throwing trash onto the field, which is not of a good course. thing. It never ends well. Like what we're asking for is not ending well, but it's where we are in society. But it's front I, page uh, on a bunch of papers that gets some more people who might not have previously been interested more that's interested. all i'm saying i'm just saying if the astros really wanted people to watch baseball they would redesign their uniforms to look like oscar the grouch that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but so like altuve really coming out of a trash can with a uh-huh. shirt ripped open. no they should have you know how like uh um they like come out of the smoke from the tunnel but it should just be on one garbage giant trucks? garbage can yeah gar- oh, garbage truck yeah they come <gasps> in on garbage trucks on totally. the backs of yeah. garbage trucks yeah. and then they come down they have the jumpsuits and they... on and everything but mm-hmm. the jumpsuits are the jumpsuits off. they're like the bad but like the detroit bad boy jumpsuits with like uh-huh. skull and bones on the back you know what i mean uh-huh. and then those snap off and they've got their uniforms underneath <laughs> but then they play a giant stomp like stomp on broadway they do a <laughs> musical number with the trash cans oh <laughs> it would be remarkable yeah you got jets and sharks oh Oh, nice. see, look, we, we fixed, fixed baseball. We fixed we baseball. Fixed baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we'd do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it only took an hour and a half. Exactly. All we needed was to make it a musical. Duh. <laughs> well, that's always that's always the case, right? Just take anything and make it a musical, and that makes it better, right? Yeah, right. it makes it better. Oh, 100%. God, 100% false. But I love musicals, and I even I would admit that. Yeah. It's not the best idea when like CW's The Flash does a musical episode. Maybe don't. I don't know. 
but baseball should do it. Baseball should have their musical episode and it should be right now. And Idina Menzel should narrate the entire series. The wickedly talented Dusty Baker. <laughs> Bravo. He just opened oh, the team. JT, it's good. always so much fun whenever you join us. Um, you know, we get Thanks. to laughing and, and we cover some serious topics too. So, <laughs> yes. You know, could I, could like I ask one serious you? question? And go ahead, real please. quick go ahead, before pal. we go. Um, Jeremy, so as you know, I like to get down to business here. So, blueberry muffin or banana nut muffin breakfast, what are you feeling? Blueberry muffin 100% of the time. Yeah, all the way. And I like and I'm I'm a banana bread guy. I love banana bread, but if I've got to choose between like a banana nut muffin and blueberry muffin, you're giving me that choice. I'll take a blueberry muffin over a lot of things. And I was one of those petulant children who like to pretend like I didn't like uh, fruit within sweets things. So I was like, oh, a chocolate chip muffin 100% of the time, like a fool, like an like a like a like a fool. Just uh, a kid, kind of, just a kid, just you know, who doesn't know any better. Yeah. Didn't, didn't yeah. know any better. And then yeah. eventually, uh, and this is not going to be a better point. I don't know why I would do it. But then got one of those, you know, those blueberry muffins that are real gross and sticky that come out of like a vending machine. Oh. I got one of those one time by default. And I had it and I was like, wait, this also tastes good and sweet and with too much sugar. But then I had like, and obviously then I went out of my way to have some real blueberry muffins. And I will, I will take a blueberry muffin over quite a few delicious snacks that probably should go ahead of it. Amen. Breakfast? Come on. Yeah. yeah. Of course, we always, we always got to get a breakfast question in there with you. you know. Absolutely. <laughs> good looking out, pal. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Branding. So, Jeremy, once again, thank you for joining us. It's been fun. Um, go ahead yes. and plug your stuff. Uh, let's give you a minute to, to get your, your stuff out there. Okay, last. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this because I actually have stuff. You guys have been telling me to plug my stuff for like years now, and I've never really had stuff to plug, so I'll, I'll plug the stuff. Uh, Miami Mic'd Up is the podcast that I host. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. It'd be real cool if you gave me five stars and a review if you liked this episode. That could be if I if we together as a group entertained you for the last what hour and a half, then maybe a five star rating would be nice. Um, that's the podcast. You can listen to all the interviews there. If you want to watch our full length interviews, you can watch them exclusively on BallySports.com or on the Bally Sports app. All of those are there. Uh, coming soon, we will be relaunching Breakfast at Jeremy's at some point. I just don't know in what exact. I appreciate the fist bump. Uh, in some sort of capacity, we will have that come back. Uh, and that is a morning show recapping either Heat or Panthers games at the moment. Uh, watch Under the Lights on Monday nights on Valley Sports Florida. Uh, and for all of those things, I will constantly be telling you about them if you just follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Taché. That's where you can find just about everything that we do. Uh, and yeah, so go follow all those things and help me continue to do this for a living because I'm really enjoying it. Thank you very much, Jeremy. It's Thank you. Thank Thanks, you, Jeremy. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Oh, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars.